unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the 250th episode of the Copywriters Podcast. I'm so excited. I'm tinkling my pants a little bit right now. (laughs) David Garfinkel, world's greatest copywriting coach, Bond Halber, one of my favorite copywriters out there. I cannot, I can't even explain how excited I am to be on this call right now with you guys. Nathan, I get it. I get it. Yes. Well, we are back with the legendary Bond Halbert, who I'm proud to call my friend. And on the last show, Bond talked about better ways to get started in copywriting. On today's show, Bond will share with us some crucial insights about what working copywriters are doing wrong and how to fix those problems. Bond's father, of course, was the famous copywriter, Gary Halbert, and Bond is among Gary's first very successful students. In fact, Bond was closest to his dad in both a personal and professional relationship. More recently, after copy chiefing some of the largest financial promotions of our time, Bond pioneered many tactics for getting the highest email open rates in any industry. And after Gary passed away, Bond and his brother Kevin took over the GaryHalbertLetter.com, and the brothers have put out great copywriting products, including the Halbert All-Star Audio Series, which I am proud to say I was invited to participate in. Bond and Kevin have also started the Gary Halbert Copy Club Facebook group, which is has an astounding membership of more than 21 thousand as a day of our recording. This is huge for any copywriting group on Facebook. Bond mentors copywriters and will give you contact info for him at the end of the show. But I have some eagerly awaited information that just can't wait. So I'll give that to you right now. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, as Nathan mentioned, this is our 250th show, and we are so happy to have Bond here, and we have something special that we'd like to do before we jump into the meat and potatoes part of the podcast. So Nathan, why don't you start? First of all, thank you, Bond, for joining us for this episode. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm super excited about this. And I just wanted to take a little bit of a moment before we started just to lay out the impact that your father had on my life. When I first got the Boron letters, everybody was everybody that I was talking to was like, you got to check out this book. I was discovering copywriting. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll check it out. That book hit me so hard because it wasn't just about copywriting. There was life lessons. There was business lessons and it was personal. It it felt like I was, and, and I know it wasn't written to me, but it felt like it was written to me. And so many of the experiences that your father was talking about and the lessons he was trying to convey were things that were resonating and had resonated with the background that I came from. And so probably, not even probably, The most impactful person on my copywriting career, especially in the early stages, was your father. 
And to be able to come back 250 episodes and have you on the show is just such a celebration for me. And I'm just so happy about it. And what you've done to continue your father's work. I got your copywriting editing book three for some reason. I can't find the first two. I don't know where they're at. But I got your third book a couple years back. And again, a huge impact on my copywriting. And so just to have you here and to know that you're continuing the work that your father started is and to be able to celebrate this 250th episode with you is just a monumental milestone for the podcast and for my life. So I'm just super thankful for you to come on and share your insights with us today. Yeah. So, Bon, you know, I, I, I want to you know echo everything Nathan said. Your dad had such I mean, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here today writing copy. We wouldn't have this podcast, wouldn't have done everything I've done. But I, I want to I want to express some appreciation to you. You've been such a support to me, and I, I remember that stuff. I don't forget that. You attended my high-speed copywriting seminar and promoted it with Kevin, your brother, to your list. You wrote the forward to my book, Breakthrough Copywriting, for which I'm eternally grateful. You invited me to be part of the I'm going to do it again. Howard <laughs> All-Stars. And, and those, by the way, those came out before Russell Brunson was giving discs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you remember the day I got it and I picked up my cell phone? I was out in West Portal Avenue in front of Starbucks. I was jumping. I was pissing in my pants. I was jumping out of my skin. I was so excited. Do you remember that? Call yep, it? I do. I remember yeah. the call very well. I actually, believe it or not, I even did a video explaining how you could use those put them in the background for your um, podcast, like one silver one for every 50,000 listens and, you know, gold one for every 100,000 listens and use them as milestones and build credibility. I did a whole video on that. And then like a couple of years later, I see Russell Brunson doing the double comma club thing. <laughs> I was like, hey, wait a minute. I'll tell you, <laughs> Russell was not the, only, like. not the only one you influenced. I don't know if you've ever been to Gore's headquarters, but they have these huge huge um, metal they look they're the size of old lps you know old vinyl lps they they have them up on the wall there for copywriters who've done stuff so yeah as usual halbert sets the trend and people forget to give him credit for it but you're used to that you don't mind right just well, I, don't, I don't know if they saw the video where i explained that to the world or not but i just know that i was doing you know and then you can see that you're but you're right because <clears throat> I was very proud of even having my own version of that thing, but you know, you'll see that in the background. Like if you're if you're checking out Kevin Rogers or John Carlton stuff, you'll see you'll see that in the background. It's like, okay, wait a minute, yeah, and you know, you've arrived if you made that All Star Audio Series. Yeah, and you know, way, I want to make I, sure that you know you earned your way in there. That we were extremely extremely selective to make sure that the first batch were okay. the greatest copywriters around. So oh, what? No, you, you didn't get in there because you're a friend of mine. Just want you to know. I, I I appreciate that. You know, I'm an idiot because I have been keeping this thing on the wall over there. I need to put it like over there so everyone can see it. Nathan, yeah. remind me to to uh, get a little smarter about my interior, my set design, my interior <laughs> decorating. Well, let's talk about about mistakes copywriters are making. There's so many. I guess you'll know where to start better than I do, but. I know you got a bunch because we talked about it yesterday. 
Okay, first I want to say that a lot of copywriters are making this mistake because their clients are making the mistakes. Okay, so that, that's also true. But like we talked about before is if you learn to educate your clients, you can show them how to make more money and do things better. So I would say one of the big ones that I see is you talk to a client and you say, you know, well, who's this good for? Who are your clients? And like, is this for beginners or is this for novices? And they say it's for everybody. And that's just not true. Or it could be true but you don't want to market it as though it's for everybody. The thing is, if you are, you know, if you study market levels awareness, they go from, I don't know, I have a problem to, I know all the solutions and I'm actually brand loyal to this one place, right? To this one company or one supplier. Right. And what happens is your stories, your testimonials, your headlines and all that need to be adjusted for those market levels of awareness. So taking somebody who doesn't have a problem, they or know they have a problem, they got heart disease, but they don't know it. So when you hear people say you got to call out your target in your headline, you got to call them out by symptom. You can't say, do you know, you know, for those with heart disease, I don't know, I've got heart disease. But what you can do is say, are you over 50 and have gained three inches of belly fat in the last five years? That's a great big sign of heart disease. And here's what to do about it. Right. And this is just off the top of my head. But the point is now you've called them out because they're market level awareness one. Right. But somebody who says, oh, I've got heart disease. They're not even going to bother to read that. Right. So you only speak to one to two levels of market level awareness at one time per campaign. You can have five campaigns hitting every single one. You can have five different pieces of copy hitting, you know, each and every single one and sell the pr same product to all of them, but you need to target all of them separately. So let's suppose you have a great local um, next door app uh, program for getting referrals and local clients into offices. It works for dentists and chiropractors and all that. You don't want to do that. So you want to send your campaign. You want to first target the chiropractors or the dentists and then switch it up a little bit and target the other group because if and looking at copywriters, this is also true with copywriters. If somebody comes to me and they say, you know, or somebody says, look, I'm looking to hire a copywriter. And the first response they get back from a job board says, I write copy for nonprofits. I write it for info products, local businesses. I write copy for Fortune 500 companies and small companies. I write copy for um, selling, you know, supplements, financial advice, all of this other stuff. Now you own a small pizza shop, right? You get another guy who says, I just write copy for people who own uh, small local businesses. And then you get a third person, a lady who says, I only write copy for people who for local restaurants only. Who's the one that you think is most likely right for you? Yeah, it's, the restaurants, of course. It's the one that's targeted you, right? So the point is you get you have a lot more persuasion. That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, switch that up when you're going after the different target. So one of the things that they're doing wrong is they're trying to talk to market level awareness one and market on uh, the higher market level awareness. And the story is the same thing that matches. So, you know, there's five different kinds of stories that can really sell a, a product that help, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go through them all, but it's like, you know, there's the ones that there is the story of the history of the company. There's the story of the history of industry, like the Schlitz beer, you know, campaign. You remember when they did that one? And it was like, they talked about how, you know, beer was traditionally made and how it's made now. And then, you know, built up authority and made you want their beer. There's the story of your best client, you know, your best success story. One of the most powerful is always the story of your average customer experience. 
right? And I have a system for doing this, but what it is, is it's going from like not knowing you have a problem to a life altering event that means like, I, this is when I found out I had heart disease and it goes all the way through to where you've cured the problem, right? What you want to do is that's market level awareness one is I don't know I have a problem. Market level awareness two is I know I have a problem, but I don't know what to, I don't know what the options are. I then it's, I know what the options are, but I don't know which ones to choose. I know which ones, you know, are available. I'm trying to decide which is the, you know, which is the perfect one for me or which one I should, is probably most likely to work or try first. And then there's like, I'm brand loyal. This is, you know, I want this cardiologist out of Cedars because he's the best, you know? So what you do is you look at that storyline, right? And you pick the chunk of the story that fits right where their head is already at, right where they're, you know, we talk about meeting them where the conversation in their head is. Yeah. Okay. And so that becomes the storyline, the testimonials. So the, let's suppose the testimonials are, you know, you're, you're talking to people who know that they want to become copywriters, but they're not exactly sure which is the right course for them. Right. But they're looking at different courses. So your, your testimonials need to be, Hey, I've tried, you know, four or five different courses and I've been through them and I spent $13,000. This is the one that's best for this, you know, when you're in this situation, right? So you still have the testimonials that say it's great for the bang for the buck. You still have it, the testimony that says this was really easy learning. You still have the testimonials that say this person could teach the way that I, I couldn't understand. But the like the three out of the five testimonials you're showing are the ones that are comparing that product, that course to the other courses, because that's the market level awareness you're going after. And that needs to match all the way through your copy from the headline. You should be, you know, tailored towards that. And what I see is a mistake that everybody's making and the client often forces this is they're going after everybody because the truth is. You know, um, I, you know, one of the things I did with the, the, the book that we mentioned at the beginning is I wanted to make sure it was of value to everybody. And it was. And so in there, there's hidden Gary Halbert um, psychology lessons. There's some stuff on my own on how to inject psychology. There is basic editing stuff. There is, you know, th there is stuff from very beginner all the way to very advanced. But let me tell you who's the hardest to sell? The very advanced, right? Because most copywriters, there are a few people, uh, and I'll call them out, you, David Deutsch, and a few others that are like, I'm constantly trying to study and learn copyright, more copywriting, and I don't stop learning ever. But so many other people have said, no, I know it all. I'm not going through another course. I'm not reading another book. They've moved on. They only read books about psychology. They only read books about persuasion. You know, they're, they're more likely to pick up a book on pickup artist persuasion and apply it to their copy than they are to pick up a copywriting book. Right. So my targeting is towards people who are beginners and intermediate. Right. But only one at a time. And the other thing that I will give as a tip is your market. When you study these things, your marketing should sort of just one market level awareness and then bring them to the next one. So in my example with the heart disease patient, now I know that this might be a chance to that I have heart disease. So this is the test you need to take. And if you do, these are the four, you know, this is the exam or this is, this is how you test and find this out right now at home. Okay. And this, and if this is the case, here are your four, uh, here are the four major options. And this one's the best one, which is of course my solution, right? It's what I'm selling. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, comment on a couple things. First of all, thank you for what you said about me and <laughs> Deutsch. <laughs> And secondly, the more experienced copywriters, or at least the more widely read copywriters will know, but 
For those who don't, the levels of awareness Bond is talking about come from Gene Schwartz's book, Breakthrough Advertising, where he talks about the five levels of customer awareness pretty early on in the book. And you can find that book online. It's expensive. It's worth every penny. It's discounted to about 90% off of what it is worth, actually. I've read it, been reading for 30 years. And Brian Kurtz sells it at the at, at breakthroughadvertisingbook.com. That's all I'm going to say about it. But in case you were wondering, what does he mean by levels of market awareness? I just wanted to put that in. And again, I, I, most of the most of the advanced people already know this, but just in case. Yeah. And well, and it's also something that people talk about a lot. So you'll see a lot of in it is a great book. Um, that's why, you know, I mentioned the market levels awareness, but you should you should just understand that there's a process for which everybody goes through it. Another thing is that I think we talked about it when we were uh, chatting the other day is mm -hmm. they don't understand the porcupine and heat theory. Oh, okay. yeah. Porcupine and heat uh, theory. I love this one. So a porcupine spends most of its life waiting to find a mate, right? But the female porcupine is only in heat for like, you know, five minutes at a time, right? You know, at, you know, like, I don't know what it is, but it, it's, it's extremely short and it's a very brief thing. So the male porcupine has to do everything he can to get all of his, you know, I, I don't want to be graphic, but jollies off as, as, as quick as possible. The same thing is true with your marketing, because let's suppose that you have somebody who's interested in backpacking. There is a sweet spot where they are all of a sudden they want to, you know, the one thing you'll find, like all backpacker magazines all have an annual gear issue and they all put a big section that's in gear because they know that these people want to know what the latest and greatest gear is and so forth. And what happens is you're and, and look at yourself in this situation. How many times have you had a hobby or something else where it's like you studied all this, you were really into like music and, and uh, well, you stay into music a lot of time, but your sound, your surround sound systems and you're studying all this and all of this, trying to get the best set music set up. And then when you, once you get your gear, you're no longer as interested in it. Right. So that means that when somebody sold, buys an amp, it's the perfect time to sell them one of those laser reading turntables. It's the perfect time to sell them, you know, clip speakers. It's the it's the perfect time. So once somebody's into something, hit them with the hit them with the other offers as fast as humanly possible. Don't sit there and wait to hit them with another one. Because the truth is, if I'm buying a surround sound system, I've already got the speakers I probably want a year later, you know, by, by a year and you're too late. So that's the reason that you do, um, you're leaving money on the table if you're not doing upsells and OTOs and, you know, other stuff that's already in the system. It's not going to hurt that they've already put in their credit card. They've already said, yes, they've agreed to buying something and it's quick. Do you want this also? Yes. Or do you not want it? No. And that boosts sales. So one of the things that I think happens is you're, they're not selling enough quick enough. They're not hitting people, you know, constantly. And one big one, and I want to make sure I get this in because I know that we're always on a time crunch here. Two things, don't get caught on crutches. At the very beginning, use templates. At the very beginning, use um, AI, get cure your writer's blocks and so forth. But if you start doing that, the very best promotions in the world are saying things that nobody else has heard before. They're framing things. So one of the things I try and teach people to do is change the way people think about stuff. You know, the way they think about, you know, my dad had a great campaign for dental veneers, but he didn't sell it on, you'll be more proudful and you'll, you know, and he didn't even do the, like, you'll pick up more chicks. 
He talked about the money value of that investment because you're more confident and people with brighter smiles and who, you know, this is a guy who doesn't have good teeth myself, <laughs> but the, the people, they get higher job, you know, job offers, they make more money and all that. So it gave you, and this is one, another tip, always give your art, your, your audience, the excuses they may need to explain the justify the purchase to their spouses and friends, because they're Absolutely. afraid of looking foolish. Yeah. And so when you say, no, I'm doing this because, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's going to help me, you know, look, if the difference between me having a great set of teeth and a brilliant smile is the difference that gets me, the, you know, I don't want to lose the woman of my dreams just because, you know, I wasn't as attractive as I could be. Right. So, yep. and there's great, I'll give you my favorite piece of BS excuse I ever had is I collect watches and um, I had this, um, I just bought a Submariner, a Rolex Submariner and John yeah. Carlton was like, why do you, you know what you know i mean g-shock is just as accurate and stronger why do you need this i said you know what having an expensive watch reminds me that my time is valuable and not to uh, not to waste it good. and he was like that's a good reason and i was like okay well good that, that worked that got him off my back right <laughs> yeah i mean but, i i remember when somebody wore a Subliner to a carlton mastermind meeting he said yeah you can use that for bail i mean he doesn't have a lot of respect for expensive watches no, no, no. The, actually, what he was talking about is my dad's gold Rolex bail watch, which I own. He gave it to me for Christmas oh, one day. I didn't realize that. It was known as the mobs, mobsters known it as a bail watch because no matter what happened, you could take that off and, you know, pawn it and get, get you know, bail money to get out. <laughs> okay, so there's more to the story than I realized. No. But anyway, let me finish this one thing. So what they're doing wrong is they're using swipe copy wrong. This one thing will give you an advantage over every other beginner copywriter and intermediate copywriter. Okay. So what happens is the first copy, if somebody gets a client and they sell, let's say furniture, first thing they do is they go into a Facebook group and they say, Hey, can anybody send me swipes on furniture ads? Right. And so pretty soon they're writing an ad, they've been influenced and it's guess what it sounds like every other furniture ad that's been run out there okay and that's a mistake if you're going to use swipe files and you use them at the beginning but what i would recommend you do and this is a this this really gives you a huge advantage take the swipe files and uh, make a copy of every single one so you have two swipe files one is the whole ad the second one should be all cut up it should be this is just headlines this is a swipe file of just headlines this oh, is just wow. opening copy oh, these are wow. just bullets these are just closing arguments these are just postscripts these are just all of these other things because now when that's the part where you're struggling with the copy right because what happens is you have a template and they say i need a hero's journey that doesn't work for me. I can't tell you how I was sleeping in my car until I discovered copywriting. Everybody knows I was given a gift by my father. But the Boren letters that you mentioned earlier, every other page is Dear Bond. Here's how to write copy. So I don't have the sleeping in my car hero's journey, right? You know, and I can go back to the time I was depressed or something like that. But, you know. No, but what you're saying is good for a reason you might be thinking, but I don't think you've said it yet. And that is, if you have what I would call a horizontal swipe file. That is a, a swipe file where we just have headlines for, I, I forget the uh, furniture stores, and we just have stories and across a lot of different ads. One of the most time-tested ways of coming up with something that seems really new but doesn't freak people out is combinations of different yes. 
known things. That's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. And from different places though. See, that's the thing. My furniture ad's not going to sound like you because, because of I've looked at different things. And so I'll give you an example. Somebody once told me, they said they had a problem. They were selling these furniture. They, they, they had a friend who owned a bar and they cut the friend a, a deal and they created the coffee tables for the bar. And they got, they said, but that person was going to allow them to put like a QR code or a plaque on each of the tables to help promote their business. And they said, what should I do? Well, before COVID, I would have said, don't use a QR code. After COVID, everybody's used to QR codes for, you know, all kinds of reasons because they're doing contactless menus and things like that. But anyway, I said, check out this short, you know, URL to see the amazing story of how this was made. Turns out these things are made out of Xbox cars. Okay, wow. from, from the railroads. Oh, and I'll, so this is, by the way, mistake that client that copywriters make. They don't interview their clients long enough to get the gold. The, the gold, the gold is in there. They don't talk it to you about it until they're actually. He didn't even bring this up. Can I add something to? This? I totally agree with you. Sure. The, this is counterintuitive until you've been through it a few times. When the guy says, "Oh well, nobody's interested in that." Everybody's interested in that. <laughs> it, it is it is amazing how much they think people don't care. And I so I said, okay, this is what you do. You you create a, you on each one. You say this one, you know, and made from boxcar number one five six four three. Get the number from it. Then yeah. you tell the story. This boxcar used to carry oranges from California back to Denver and cattle from thing. In fact, you'll notice there are still some hoof prints and there's a special patina that comes from the orange juices that have been laid out on the thing. These were made back before all the old growth forests were cut down for lumber. So that's why when you see these really fine lines in the wood, that me that's old growth wood. It's also very ecologically friendly because you're reusing wood versus cutting down new trees that you have to waste fresh water on. And here's a video showing you like this is the trail. This is a high speed version of the route that this train car used to make for a hundred years between 19th. You know, do you understand the story value is now making you want this freaking thing? Thing. This and is a million said, dollar copywriting lesson. Everybody should rewind and listen again. It's really good, Bon. Thanks. And I said, you know what? Then take the wheels, take the stuff, take the wheels, make the, make them bases for lamps to sell accessories. You know that match and melt down that steel and use. That's what the legs were used for the thing. And the, so this was stuff he did not mention until I started bringing up this stuff. And so a client will sit there for hours before telling you, oh, by the way, you know, one of our favorite, you know, one of our clients who says that our rejuvenation cream is the best is Christy Brinkley. Oh, well, why you, you didn't bring that up before. You know, you'll be surprised what they don't bring up. So you have to interview your clients. And then John will call it the, I think the, so uh, a lot of people, it's actually been around for the, so what test, you know, so yeah. you engineer, you talk to the engineers, the product manufacturers. And you say, you know, why do you use this kind of steel in your bracelet? Because you say it's 311 steel. What is, what's the point of that? Oh, it's because it's scratch resistant. So you say, what's the point of that? Well, people bang their watches on doorknobs all the time. So it'll keep it looking fresh for, you know, 20 years to come. Now you have copy. Your bullet now says, hey, you know, with this 20L steel, it's, it gives you your best chance at this still looking like a brand new timepiece 20 years later because it won't scratch easily like the other, you know, like the other alloys that most manufacturers use. But anyway, the point that I want to make is if you're doing that copy, right, and you know, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Now I need a subject line. I found the perfect story. I need, a, I'm stuck on closing copy. You go to your closing copy file. You're not stuck in a template 
that says hero's journey, that says this, that says that, that says this. Because no, the chances of you matching perfectly with a hero's journey, the same curiosity, the same benefit, and everything else in a template to your product or offer is very slim. Your chances of finding something that's going to fit, looking at all the different industries for that component you're struggling with are great. So your copy will come out and then you, of course, edit it and make it smooth and flow. But the point that I'm making is if you break up that swipe file into headlines, closing copy, opening copy, you know, in every little component that thing that you can find out off the top of my head, you know, but there's even, you know, like postscripts. Postscripts are like, you know, by the way, an amateur might say, you know, by the way, happy holidays or hope you have a great summer, right? You know, there are certain formulas that you can use for if you have nothing else. So if a postscript formula I give everybody is just say, P.S., remember, and then you restate the benefit and the sense of urgency. Remember, I can make you and I can get you on the road to becoming a paid copywriter faster than anybody else, but there's only five spots left in my group. Okay. <laughs> so what that does is it makes some, you got to remember the, there's another mistake that they make. They don't understand the format and the, and the experience that the person is getting while they're reading their message. Are you reading a letter? Are you watching email? Right. Or excuse me, reading email because people constantly say, send your email out at four in the morning. So it's there when they wake up in the morning, you are probably like me, Right. Which is to say that when you wake up in the morning, you get your finger on the delete button trying to get a handle on your day and ignore everything you don't have to deal with. But if you're checking your email on a Saturday night or Sunday, you might be you have more time and you're more more leisurely and might be more willing to dive in and take a look at things. Right. Yeah. No. The same the same thing is true for all these different medias and all of these different systems uh, or formats to understand where they are, when they're going to be getting this message, what their mentality is. You are a different person on Monday morning when you wake up with anxiety and a lot of crap to do than you are on Saturday morning when, you know, the, the hard, stressful week is behind you. Yep. That's really good. I mean, if I may say so, some of the advanced value that you have shared with us today is simply taking what people already do, but taking it to the next step, going one step further. In other words, instead of just getting into the conversation going on in your prospect's mind, you're talking about get into the experience they're having in their life when you think about when they're going to actually open your email and respond to it. So it's, again, if you have the first principles, if you have the basic fundamentals, then you build upon them. And that's what I'm hearing. You're 100% correct. You know, when you hear the APAL, BPAL speech of my dad, like 100 times, right? As a kid, you get it on a cellular level. So everybody's like, well, they could only take it and they could only apply it to, they were only applying it to snail mail, right? And I was like, no, you don't understand. The concept is how are people experiencing getting their mail? They're, you know, his APAL, BPAL speech was about coming home and being tired and looking at sorting through it over a wastebasket and everything. I'm like, how do people get emails? And so it's easier now to do it without, you know, it's not as important, but it was really important when I was the, I pioneered this kind of technique where I noticed that the first thing people did 
was they sort their emails with different email addresses. Everybody's got a spam email address. Everybody has a primary email address, a work email address, and maybe a hobby email address, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I like to say is when they are going through, uh, the marketers are like worried about not being spam and putting free in there. They're worried about spam filters, right? But the truth is if you're in a primary email address and you see that there's a couple spam messages, you will sometimes go look and see if there's anything you've missed. But when it comes down to somebody promised you something, but they're only giving it to you if you give them an email address, you don't know them from Adam. So you give them a spam email address. You go check out the PDF they sent you. You either ignore or delete the 500 messages that have built up into that uh, into that thing. So the moral of the story is worry about getting a spam email address. I mean, it's better to be it's better to have your mail go to a spam uh, box of a primary email address than it is to go into the primary box of a spam email address. So worry about getting a primary email address first. But this is the last thing I'll say. Understanding the experience is so important. That what I did was I said, what would make me, what makes me give a primary email address? And so I teach people to like, you know, first use a Facebook sign on login, because the truth is everybody wants to know if somebody's talking about them on Facebook, so they don't give a spam email address, right? So you get a primary email address. The other thing is I noticed that like, if it, I would say, hey, we throw a lot of flash last minute sales that go quickly and people get mad at us because they didn't enter a primary email address they check often and missed it. So we won't spam you or anything, but be sure to enter a primary email address you check often and that gets more people to enter, would get more people to enter it. The concept is not just take that tactic. The, you know, that's a good tactic. It's, a, it's, it's valuable. But the concept is I was paying attention to how people sort their emails. I was paying attention to how pe- what makes people give a primary email address. Read Obvious Adams. It's, I don't know. It's not really a real story, but it is a great short thing that makes you understand. Understanding the customer experience will give you a greater advantage than creative writing skills and being flowery with words or anything like that. And anyway, so I I can see that we're probably running close on the thing. The last thing I want to say, though, is I think that the first thing everybody learns how to do with copywriting is how to write headlines. I think that not nearly enough are studying closing copy. I think people should study closing copy. You should practice writing closing copy first, and you should study editing copy. There, and it's not just to be a push. It's the thing. These are the things that I see amateurs make a mistake in doing. So, uh, you know, just one editing tip is to edit in a complete pass because I see people, they edit, they go down, they find a mistake, they fix it, they go back and start reading it again, and they go until they find a mistake and they edit again and read your copy out loud. But by the time they get to the bottom, that's been looked at once. And that's where the closing copy is. That's where the, that's where the sale is made, right? The top is all smooth. So I can tell an amateur copywriter just by reading their entire piece and going, oh, okay, yeah, you really, you know, you didn't go through this and then let it rest and then come back and read it again. So those are the big mistakes that I think I see a lot of copywriters make, you know. Thank you. Very valuable. Appreciate it. Can I chime in two things before we're out of here? Sure. So I don't know if I got this from you, Bond. I feel like I did, but it maybe came from somebody else. But just asking for the primary email address in the form where it says email, just changing that to best email or primary email jacked up my open rates and my click-through rates amazingly. So that was a testament to that. And then uh, a thing for myself that I've experienced with my clients, 
running a three-day promotion or a four-day promotion that ends on Friday. In marketing and in copywriting, we know most of our conversions are going to come on the last day, sometimes the last hour of the last day. Yep. If the last hour of the last day is on a Saturday rather than on a Friday, on a Friday people are burnt out. You'll still get that jump in conversions. But I've noticed you were talking about Saturdays. I noticed when we run the last day on a Saturday, the mindset of the people, the energy level of the people reading those final emails We've always gotten higher conversions on Saturday ending a promo than Friday. So uh, some amazing insights there. Thank you. Yeah, and that, yeah, the, that was stuff that I, I've been promoting for a long time. So, but that was a pioneer breakthrough that I started, made, I made many, many years ago. <laughs> but again, it came back from the fundamentals of going through and understanding, you know, what my dad was teaching, you know, that no, this, that's why I always say, look, you can get the boron letters on our website, but you can, but if you get the book, it's actually got these extra bonuses and that's where things like that are in there from the apal bpal speech and the and the updated version and like here's the core principle behind that that makes and how to use that and adjust the tactics today like people think 900 numbers are dead they are dead but they're still the same thing still applies for text messaging quick text codes that you get paid for it's a small tiny bit of information that you trust the person who's going to be you know taking the money which is your phone company and you say you know hey do you want your daily horoscope lucky, you know, uh, lucky thing? If you ever need it in a hurry, just text this five digit code. It'll cost you $2 through your phone and then boom, you got it. It's the same thing as a 900 number, right? <laughs> you know, I, I have an original copy of the boring letters. I have no idea which box it's in. So I'm going to buy a new one. I'm just going to, I will. So I just a couple notes that I was looking up here is um, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And what that means is, you know, you you want to sell something. It's always better to, to fail fast, as they say, and try and get something out there. Don't worry about perfecting your copy and spending six months, you know, getting it and proofing it and all that. It's better to get something ugly and sloppy out. You know, one of the things that we quickly did was we needed to, we were going to do a sale real fast and we didn't have time to, you know, to write up everything. So what we did was we just did a quick, I just did a three, four minute video. And it was like, I wrote down the points of what I wanted to do and put that video out there. People could see that the video was only three minutes. They're like, sure, I'll listen to this. They clicked on it. And then we had lots of sales coming. And, you know, and then you did the reminders, you know, to get that, what you're talking about, we call the hockey stick effect, which is, you know, you get some, the sales start here and then they go down and then they go up <laughs> at the end. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, so it's, Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly because it's better to know something's just dead in the water and not going to work and move on. And then when something works, then you you fix it. So when my dad wrote the world's most widely mailed sales letter in history, the coat of arms letter, what he ended up doing was he ended up putting 18 months of psychology into it. He didn't put 18 months of psychology into it before. And I've never mentioned this before. He didn't put those 18 months in before publishing it the first time. Those 18 months were put in perfecting it because he tested it and he knew he had something. And then he spent 18 months perfecting it. So he taught me anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Don't, you know, it's better to get out there and, you know, see if you've got something with legs. And then if it's going to be in your autoresponder for 10 years, slowly tweak it and peak it, you know, fix it and add things and test and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. 
Okay, so I started out the conversation today talking about how excited I was that I almost tinkled my pants. Now I feel like I've been hit with a fire hose of information throughout this episode. So that escalated rather quickly. Bond, again, thank you so much, man, for coming on and sharing all of these stories, all of these experiences, all of these insights with us. I super appreciate it. I'm speaking for David right now, but I know he's just as excited as I was about this. And if people want to connect with you, is there a way that you would recommend? Yeah. If you want to email me, you can do that at bond at thegaryhalbertletter.com. My dad always wanted to make sure there was a the in there. Um, but you can join our Facebook group at, um, and you can also go to my website, bondhalbert.com as my dad would say, cleverly named, but my dad's <laughs> website was thegaryhalbertletter.com. It is what I would call the online Mecca for copywriters. It is, you'll be in the copywriting world for a couple of months before you hear the last name Halbert and everybody talks about Gary Halbert, but you know, now they're also, as you mentioned at the beginning, they're, they're now starting to talk about me <laughs> as well as somebody who teaches and makes, you know, breakthrough, like, you know, things to do it, uh, excuse me, breakthroughs in helping people struggle with the hardest parts of copy, you know, storytelling and curing the writer's block, getting the words flowing after you know what you're doing and stuff like that. But I want to say real quickly, and this is a shout out for David here. We don't, what we do is we don't, people don't come to us and say, hey, will you sell our course? And we say, yes, we've had really famous copywriters try and sell us, you know, try and sell their course. And we turned around and said, no, you know, we're busy right now. But the truth was we went through it and we wouldn't put our name behind it. And for a long time, I always said that, you know, we've talked about at the beginning, you want to start using you can start being of value to your clients immediately if you understand templates and you understand the value and the disadvantages so that you can uh, you can take care of the disadvantages of AI and stuff like that. David's course was the first, it was the first one that I would recommend to anybody. I think the words that I use in which I still stand by is if you need to have an ad written by the end of the weekend, his is the best course you have. I mean, there are other courses. And by the way, you know, people will have more than one course. They will have more than one program. Really great copywriters will have gone through a couple of different mentors. It's not, it's not always a one shot, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to do that shout out because we're talking about like, you know, mistakes and in, in newbie copywriters and everything like I, I definitely, I still put my, my name and my way behind David's course. It's fantastic. Thank you. And if people are searching madly for the course, it's, it's going to be relaunched as a digital course. It was CD and workbook course. And uh, Stan Dahl is putting the finishing touches. We're just working on um, the sales copy now and in the funnel and blah, 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 all that, all of the little details that go into a launch. Um, but I would say by February or March, it's going to be up there. It's called high speed copywriting. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Again, a fantastic episode, gentlemen. Thank you so much for making this happen. And if you want to check out more episodes of the podcast, it's over at copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.